Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, <laughs> 
spalo ga hame besi
Friday morning, 
Erev Shabbos, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. It's a Friday on this January 16th, day 25 in the month of Teves, the year 5775. Tough Shania and Hay. It's Erev Shabbos by Eira. Good morning, everybody. You heard Surly Williger with Birchas Chodesh as we get set to Bentrush Chodesh tomorrow. Calls that's from the Kalbach Shabbos CD. Mayadidus uh, and Bowie Vishalom from the Songs of Shabbos by Kol Salonika. Yismach Moshe and Akol Yaducha from the great Ben Sion Schenker. And Regesh Modani opening things up as we say good morning. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos with candle lighting at 4.34. 4.34, your official candle lighting time. We will bench Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be this coming Wednesday. Wednesday is Rosh Chodesh. Monday, a legal holiday. Many have a day off. We'll be here. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, all through the weekend, make sure to be tuned in at jmnam.org. Mata's preparing a great JM Sunday for Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Avrami preparing a great Saturday night seagull for tomorrow night at 10 p.m. We strongly suggest, and I'm so glad to hear from so many people who are getting into the habit of getting into their car and just plugging in their phone so they can listen to our NSN app, no matter when it is, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday or Monday, whatever the case is. I thank you. Somebody yesterday commented on the app, because remember, you have the ability to comment on the home screen of the app, and they basically affirmed what I have been uh, saying for years that people would do once the uh, once the app was uh, available. Uh, yeah, here it is. A listener at 12.30 yesterday afternoon during our live lunch, thank you, helping me across my drive in farm country, hashtag Midwest. And we've pointed out how so many people on long drives, especially during vacation, heading out to the Midwest or South or wherever people are going uh, with their family to enjoy a few hours or a couple of days. Um, so often during those rides, people are contacting us and they're listening on the app, tuned in, and it is greatly appreciated. Make sure you have the NSN, Nahum Single Network app, on your phone, iPhone, Android, easy to install. It's free. Make sure to put it in, and, of course, you can comment on the app at any time. Uh, right there on the home screen. Uh, just over an hour from now, it'll be the weekly update. Malcolm Holmline will join us. The weekly update will analyze the events of this week, and there's so much to talk about. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chair of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up at JM in the AM. 29 degrees, partly cloudy, high of 40. Clear tonight, the low is 16. Man. And um, I can't, I hate these numbers. I know hate's a strong word. I dislike this weather. Uh, tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high Shabbos, 29 degree. 46 in Yerushalayim and some rain. 29 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Right, Kenneth Brander is going to be joining us. Right, Brander is, of course, uh, director of the, um, of the Center for the Jewish Future, Yeshiva University. And uh, he's going to be joining us here at JM in the AM. There is a milestone that is being uh, commemorated. A big deal is being made of a certain milestone in the Yeshiva University community, one that really extends way beyond Yeshiva University. Uh, so the Vice President for University and Community Life, that is in fact his accurate title. I did not get it correct earlier. Rabbi Kenny Brander is going to be joining us from up at YU, and uh, just as a hint, it will be a discussion about YU Torah. All right, little hint for everybody out there. JM in the AM as we continue with Strilly Willinger. Thank you for tuning in.
J.M. in the A.M. Moshav Ben. Bowie Vishalom. Ari Goldwag, before that, it's called The Forever Dance off the English album. Benny Friedman's Bum Bum from With All My Soul. Colin Ashamash Shalit, it's brand new. Srilly Williger had Moshe Aaron and Lachad Odi off the Kalbach Friday night, the CD. Friday morning, JM in the AM. Good morning, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Va'era. Big thank you to everybody out there for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio broadcast. Much appreciated. Can tell you that much. Great day yesterday on our stream. People reacting to Michael Fragan's show last night on the topic of Mitsitsa Bape. People reacting to Mayor Fertig's show early yesterday afternoon on the topic of Jews and guns. We, we are covering a lot of topics huh, on this stream that we call the Nahum Siegel Network. And yesterday's a perfect example. Coming up later today, you'll hear Naomi Nachman. Table for two starts at 9 o'clock right after JM in the AM. And I certainly hope you'll be tuned in. You'll want to be, I'll tell you that much. She always puts together a great show with wonderful guests, and it's always a lot of fun. Plus, of course, right afterwards, our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix, which is always a big treat and, frankly, the absolute best way to start uh, your Erev Shabbos, or to continue, I should say, your Erev Shabbos. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. And we thank everybody out there for tuning in. Don't forget Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami starts at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't forget that JM Sunday live with Matis every single Sunday morning starts at 7 o'clock. Goes until 9 o'clock Eastern Time on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. Galitzal Ashtaim can Shibel Karmi Mansur in Mashekorehshav. Balikut Sholelim Sharut Lemshelet Ahdut in Reshimata Mahanea Zioni Ahara Behirot, Katavenu Idoben Baji. Bigvot Askarima Haronim Shitsofim Hovala Shel Herzog Velivni Alla Likud, Rosha Memshalanetanyao Mavhir, Loelech Lemshelet Ahdut in Mashnaim, Tehom Peura, Venenu Leven Miflegeta Avoda, Omer Netanyao, Velachena Nisholel et Efsharut Shel Memshelet Ahdut, Anuhotrim Lahra Abrura, Benjamin Lismol. הודעת הליכוד באה רק לאחר שלבני עצמה יצאה נגד ממשלת אחדות ברעיון לתוכניתנו בוקר טוב ישראל. אחדות היא לא עניין טכני של חלוקת תיקים, היא צריכה להיות סביב דרך. דרכם של נתניהו ובנט היא דרך שמובילה את מדינת ישראל להידרדרות בכל תחום. כדאי להבין מי הם ומה הם הגושים בבחירות האלה. יש כאן גוש אחד של ימין קיצוני שכולל את הליכוד ובנט, שדרכם מאוד ברורה היא לא דרכנו. יושב ראש יש עתיד לפיד מחמיא לרשימת העבודה לכנסת, אבל מזהיר, הם יעלו מסין. הנה קטע מדבריו בשיחה עם סטודנטים במרכז האקדמי פרס. מפלגת העבודה מקובלת עליי, אנשים ערכיים, וזה המפלגה של הוועדים הגדולים, וזה המפלגה של ההסתדרות. מנו טרכטנברג חברי, הוא אלף פעם אמר שהוא בעד העלאת מסים והגדלת הממשלה. מנגד יושב ראש כולנו, משה כחלון, תקף היום את לפיד. בבחירות האחרונות מפלגת יש עתיד קיבלה... את הזדמנות חיה. הזדמנות חיה. 19 מנדטים, חמישה משרדי שרים, כולל אוצר, אפשר להפוך מדינה. 
כמו שהליכוד נטש את הדרך החברתית, יאיר החמיץ הזדמנות אדירה ונדירה. שופט העליון אורי שוהם, לשעבר הפרקליט הצבאי הראשי, אומר היום, חשוב לשמור על עצמאות הפצ"ר. הנה קטע מדבריו בכינוס בנושא מבצע צוק איתן וההשלכות המשפטיות. היועץ המשפטי לממשלה לא יכול להחליף את שיקול דעתו של הפצ"ר, הוא לא מפקדו של הפצ"ר ואין מרות פורמלית. אבל יחסי עבודה, הכרה במעמדו של היועץ, על זה אין ויכוח. אז אני חושב שנקודת המוצא... בפעילות מלחמתית, זה לא מקרה לחקירה פלילית. מזג האוויר מחר בבוקר יוסיף לרדת גשם נפרקים, מלווה בסופות רעמים, עדיין קיים חשש לשיטפונות והצפות, מהצהריים יחלש הגשם וייפסק בערב. ולסיום, חללית בריטית לא מאוישת שנעלמה לפני 11 שנה, נמצאה על מאדים. כתבתנו נועם דהן. החיילית מיגלשטיין, שידועה ככישלון גדול של האסטרונום המלכותי בבריטניה, הייתה אמורה לנחות על מאדים בשנת 2013, אך הקשר עם הנותק ושיערו כי היא נעשה. תמונות לוויין חדשות חשפו שהיא אכן הגיעה למאדים, אבל עדיין לא ברור מה גרם לתקלות בה. אלה החדשות שעורך חדר שיפר, ביצוע טכני אבי כהן.
in the AM, Yaakov Shweki. It's Atra Code. Big tune out there. Love you Tom with Jory Ukran. David Dardashti opened up the 7 o'clock hour here on a Friday morning at JM in the AM. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Va'era with candle lighting at 4.34 on this Erev Shabbos. Well, Ben Shosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Wednesday. Uh, on the stream all day long at jmnam.org. Best way to prepare for Shabbos is with our Erev Shabbos music stream. Make sure you're tuned in all through the day on your phone, your computer, whatever the case may be, however you listen in to the uh, jmnam.org live stream. Well, you know, it's a great week when we're filled with guests from Yeshiva University. And it was wonderful having Dean Strauss here yesterday. And it was wonderful having uh, Rabbi Ganak and Arnie Lustiger here yesterday because we got into a conversation about the Rav, which is always amazing and incredible. And speaking of which... Uh, somebody who knew the rub very well and somebody who's a phenomenal guest for us here at JM and the AM is in our studio. Rabbi Kenny Brander is, of course, Vice President for University and Community Life up at Yeshiva University and has a major milestone to discuss with us this morning. Rabbi Brander, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you, Nachav. It's a privilege to be here. I appreciate that very much. I know that on, I believe it's Tuesday, the campus will again be... Uh, very active with uh, many students coming back for another semester of studies? Yes. Actually, um, we have a whole bunch of new students who are starting in the spring semester. They actually start on uh, Sunday. Oh, boy. So we're uh, we're starting actually on Sunday, and the shiva continued during intercession. Uh, you know, you had uh, around 100 young men um, who were just sitting and learning in the base medrash and made that their uh, yeshivat bein hazmanim. Um, and it was wonderful to to watch and to participate. One of the things that's really happened in that neighborhood of uh, of Washington Heights on the Yeshiva University mm-hmm. side, so to speak, a little maybe I think you'd agree a little bit different than in our day is that even during downtime, it's such an amazing Jewish community now. Yes, I mean there's a whole bunch of uh, restaurants right. on the Yeshiva University side. There are hundreds of young couples that live on the Yeshiva University side. In our time, Nachum, uh, you know, you, you <laughs> limited number. <laughs> it was a limited number, and you ducked for cover. Uh, but right now, it's a really, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful environment. Um, that's why we added to the uh, plethora of minyanim on Shabbos. There's now a young couples minyan, um, as well as a Kalabach minyan, which is. Without exaggeration, like standing room only. Every Shabbos? Uh, every single Shabbos. That's great. Um, in addition <laughs> to the standard uh, variety of minyanim, these uh, minyanim, and also uh, the the school, the Breuer's uh, Elementary School, actually now I think it's f- safe to say is uh, vastly populated with uh, the the children of our Ph.D. students, our master's students, and our Kolal students. Very nice. Oh, I didn't beautiful. realize that. I forgot about the next generation. They've got right. to be taken care of if you're right. building a neighborhood. Nachum, you know, you're now <laughs> just not only a household name for my generation, you're also a household name for the next generation. Oh, oh I hope you're right. <laughs> Rabbi Kenny Brander is here, JM in the AM. And, and one other thing before we talk about today's topic, Dean Strauss was here yesterday, both on and off the air. And I stress both on and off the air. You should hear how enthusiastic he is about the future of Yeshiva University. I mean, just, he, he is uh, part of the Sims uh, Business School as right. well as working on a whole bunch of other initiatives. He sees the entrepreneurial efforts of our students. Um, you know, we've created this social entrepreneurial fund called Neil's Fund, where students who have creative ideas to help the Jewish people or to help society in general, we help fund them. Um, and what do they has, do? They just apply with an idea. They apply with an idea. I actually interview so them. Cool. They need a business plan, which Mike Strauss, right. Nadine Strauss, normally goes through before they come to me. So you have all these students now creating these unbelievable 
programs. Now, I don't know what stage this is at, but can you share one example with us of what um, you've already approved or considering or we're not at that stage yet? No, we're at the stage. We just approved a whole bunch. One is Good Street, which is a website um, where they get young people to give staka. They have a few hundred young people giving like 25 cents a day, but they're raising several thousands of dollars. And you can pick two charities uh, from around the world that they research or a, a program called uh, Music Verse, where a group of students who actually sit and learn at least 50% of the day in the Beit Midrash uh, were also musicians, and they've worked with uh, multiple campuses around the world uh, to create music therapy that students are involved in. Uh, so if you and these on, are all oh, well, you students, 18, you know? 19, 20-year-old people, uh, yeah, right? Some of them are 22, but you know, not, not older than that. Uh, there's a program called... Uh, Pro, uh, Tech for Life, yeah. where you have these students going into, let's just call it challenging neighborhoods, <laughs> uh, where young people um, or middle-aged people don't really know how to use the Internet effectively. Right. So in order they can advance in their jobs, they've actually created manuals of how they can become more tech savvy. Obviously, none of our students get paid to do this. Obviously, it's Bisman Shein Yom Vein Laila, a time where it's not day or night. But you have hundreds and hundreds of students. There's a, you know, the the public schools where we, you know, would pass by when uh, we went to Yeshiva University. Right. We have a program called Project Start that's not funded by this, but funded by others, uh, where you have around 250 pre-med students that are teaching science uh, to elementary school uh, students. Um, in, in labs, in, in all of those schools. So we are making a difference uh, around the Jewish world and around the world in general. Um, and those schools don't have the reputation of being the easiest schools. That's an understatement. Right. And, uh, and they come in and they teach. Right. And, and to they... the chagrin of some of the parents, kids go in wanting to go to medical school and walk Uh-oh. out wanting to teach. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so they want their money back. We better, but, uh, <laughs> we better set them straight. Right. Huh? <laughs> Get those students back on the right track. Just right. kidding, folks. Right. Kenny Brander is here. We're talking about the many things up at Yeshiva University. Today's topic, however, is a tremendous milestone. Um, I know the number is 100,000, but I want to be accurate in terms of what that represents. The number 100,000 with YU Torah means? And there are over 100,000 shiurim right now on YU Torah. Not number of people who've no. downloaded or how no. many shiurim. This is the number of Torah lectures that are now available at YU Torah. 100,000 is an insane number. It's an insane number. Uh, we're, we're blessed to have wonderful uh, Russia Yeshiva, wonderful... Uh, professors, um, both in our own institution and the ancillary institutions that we have, like the Yeshivot that we interconnect with uh, in Israel, as well as our rabbinic alumni. Some actually contribute to Yu Torah. Right. And uh, we passed the 100,000 mark. We have actually, we had around 30 shiurim a day, um, and we have around 4,000 visits a day Unbelievable. From, all over the Jew- from all over the world. Biggest thing was the you got off to a tremendous start. You, you were in early on this whole thing of providing Shurim right. online, way before it was the trend, so to speak. And now you're at this point, you know, so far along. Yeah, I mean, the nicest thing is that we have the entire diversity of the Jewish community listening uh, and participating in Yu Torah. 
not just the Orthodox community, the entire extended yeah. community, and not just one part of the Orthodox community. I That's mean, true. You probably have people listening who've never stepped foot in YU. Uh, we think, based on studies that we've done, that 50% of the listeners have never stepped into Yeshiva <laughs> University. Um, but they've stepped in virtually. Right. And we know that there is a strong element uh, that listens to YU Torah um, uh, within the Lakewood community. We right. know there's a strong... Um, element that listens in Israel. My son, who's uh, in the army, tells me that there's even a few guys in the army that listen to Wayu Torah. <laughs> so uh, it's great. It's great. Rabbi <laughs> Bradder is here talking about Wayu Torah. Uh, now the statistics that you brought in, as you would suspect, seventy percent right. from the United States. But but you could tell us the number of countries and some of the places where people are actually tuned into Wayu Torah. Right. There are around. The, w- there are 184 countries around the world that are tuned into Wayu Torah. I didn't so. even know there were that many countries in the world, yeah, frankly. Did I, but, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll make up a few to get to that 184 <laughs> number. But, you know, so you have uh, last year you had three quarters of a million people from the United States that listened. You wow. had uh, close to 200,000 from Israel that listened. France had, um, in the past few months, 2,400 listen. You had Switzerland. Hong Kong had uh, 1,100 listen. Then you have those odd ones like uh, Syria had one person. I don't know. A Shia playing in Syria. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a Likely the only maybe it's whatever. <laughs> Likely the only Shia playing in right. Syria at the time. One in Guam, you oh, know, yeah. three in Rwanda. That could be some YU students doing some good work there. Um, you know, it's it's just unbelievable to see. That you have in Estonia and Denmark and uh, Sri Lanka and all places around the world. By the way, have... the comment you just made, I'm not going to let go by. The other night, uh, there was a program. I, I don't remember what country it was in. You could probably help remind me. With the, the mall terror attack in Africa. Right. Was it Kenya? I think it was Kenya. I think it was a Kenyan mall a couple of years ago. Right. The following week, you'll recall, we had students right. from Stern College who had... Movement? Who had been in that, uh, you were here with them? Yeah. Who had been in that mall, I don't know, a week, two, two before, a month before, whatever the case was, because they really were doing good work in Africa. So when you say Rwanda, it could be why you students doing good work. You're serious about Listen, that. I had a daughter-in-law who uh, spent some time in Rwanda, uh, who was Machben and Chav Yisrael. So she uh, kept Chav Yisrael in Rwanda while she was working on helping women that had been abused on microfinancing projects for business. So, so you're not uh, making this up. You're not exaggerating when you're saying I actually, that. We have a group in Haiti as we speak right now working with uh, a group of uh, orphans who were orphaned uh, because of the horrific earthquake of several years ago. Um, they're there with uh, Torah personalities from YU. Oh, intercession. Um, they're doing intercession. Their and we have a group working in small communities, a whole bunch of small communities. You know around how many are in Haiti? I'm just curious. I like, think Haiti, there's 12 or 13. We do it with the joint uh, distribution There committee. are 12 sets of parents yeah. that were told by their children that they're going to Haiti for a no, week. No, it's worse than that. There are 12 <laughs> sets of parents that help pay for for the, for, trip the, to Haiti. for the trip to Haiti, for their kids to actually rebuild parts of Haiti and to work with uh, orphans. Uh, but as Shabbos, uh, you know, they started Sunday. Uh, please, God, they'll be home very soon. You know, I, I said this yesterday, and I've been using this soapbox recently. With no no disrespect to to certain leaders in our community, I understand where everyone's coming from with their different opinions, but I said to Dean Strauss yesterday, I, I think we have to start communicating a message to the broader Jewish community of how important it is to to tell our teenagers out there 
how vital it is to be goal-driven, how those degrees that everyone just calls a piece of paper or a formality where you go is so vital, not just for advancing, which, of course, is down the road you'll see that it's, you're much better off if you have it, but just to a sense of accomplishment and going to the next level. The formality of having uh, a structure at Yeshiva University that can facilitate Someone going to Haiti or Rwanda or all the other places that you could sit and name, probably 184 countries over the years is unbelievable. And if people take part in that, it's not just the whole academic life. You're able to take part in the type of activities that you're describing. First of all, I think uh, the most important thing is that uh, university is not just about getting a Parnassa, which is obviously critical. And we pride ourselves on the fact because of people like Dean Strauss that over 93% of our students within six months are in jobs of their choosing. Um, but university should be about, yeshiva should be about growing you as a person. Um, and these types of experiences, and primarily the work that we do is in Medina, Israel, as it should be, because that should be our major focus, sure. um, is it builds, it builds you. It allows you, the most important journey they take is not to Haiti, but it's the journey of self-exploration that they take in the process. And by the way, although I don't think this is the most important piece of it, but by the way, when you submit a resume, and on your mm-hmm. resume, you've gone to business school, or you've gone here and you've gone there, and it looks at your, the, some of the th- things that you've done, and one of them is you've been involved in certain service learning experiences, your resume stands out, because not everyone's doing those things. So even if you're so doing it for that even purpose. Even if you're doing it, Shalolishma. <laughs> right. right. There's, a, there's a redemptive quality. But the quality enthusiasm that the students have, it seems like it's mostly Lishma. Yeah, it's totally Lishma. <laughs> it's totally Lishma. Uh, so best regards to those tuned in in Haiti right now, and if you're not listening to YU Torah, I'm sure you're listening to us. Uh, how many... I, the answer is probably zero, but of course I have to make right. a, a little bit of a joke about it. How many Rebbeim have asked who the most uh, listened to Rebbe is on the YU Torah? <laughs> it, it's actually, see, normal websites actually put down who the most uh, right. featured one is. And the, actually Rebbe Arye Leibowitz um, has a wonderful set of shiurim, and he's up there You're serious? On, the, on, the, on the top uh, list. Um, he's very well respected very and very nice. well thought of. Obviously, personalities like Rav Schechter and others are obviously very well uh, thought of. Rabbi, Rabbi uh, you know, Moshe Weinberg and others who actually just coming back from Israel as we speak and had a night of uh, singing and Torah which 650 YU uh, students learning in Israel last came, night? Uh, no, uh, it was late. It was earlier in the week. 650 Where? students in, in Reshit. Uh, we have to find a place that can hold 650. Um, at Reshit came and and uh, you know spent some time with our Mashpia. Um, so it's those are the those are the personalities that are very well thought of. And of course, YU Torah doesn't just serve that group. Um, but we're blessed to have serious women who are serious Torah personalities That's also right. on YU Torah, and we're proud of that. And, you know, can I just share one sure. uh, fast story with you? Um, there's, a, there's a young lady uh, who uh, grew up in a Christian home um, and uh, was looking, was, was thinking about becoming a, actually a nun. Um, and she started to explore what that means, and she started to have uh, theological challenges with it. Um, so she wanted to explore the idea of Torah. So she Googled Torah, and Wayu Torah came up as the first thing. She went on Wayu Torah. She started listening to some of the classes of Wayu Torah. She then went to her priest, 
and said that she wanted to convert. Her priest was very accommodating, actually brought her to the local Chabad rabbi. This actually happened in the New Jersey area. Chabad rabbi worked with her. She eventually, after a year or two, uh, converted. Um, and she's actually a sophomore at Stern College. The story continues that the priest, um, who was her teacher, wanted to see, you know, where her, where his student actually was going right. and actually came to Stern College. He did the follow-up. <laughs> to just see what she was learning. Um, and actually, I think Rabbi Hajioff was the Rebbe of the class. The priest uh, sat in on the back of the class and, and listened. Um, I think Rabbi Hajioff made a deal with him that he couldn't uh, contribute during the class. <laughs> no questions during right? class. At the end of the class, the priest got up and said, you know, my uh, my mother is Jewish. My father was Christian. My mother was not connected with her religion, and my father was, and therefore I became a priest. Imagine if my mother was connected with her religion. Perhaps today I'd be a rabbi. So here is obviously our focus is not to uh, right. put out Yu Torah right. or uh, <laughs> that's to not the main conference. purpose. That's not our. <laughs> that's not even a secondary purpose. But there are people whose lives have been transformed, uh, not only because they are more informed of their own Jewish experience, not only has it given them intellectual flight uh, for their own Jewish experience, but even people who are searching for what Judaism is all about can listen to uh, the Nachum Siegel Network <laughs> or Yu Torah. <laughs> Uh, and learn a little bit more about what the Jewish community is about. It is unbelievable. Uh, look, uh, you you get the big picture, and media these days has tremendous right. influence. And that website, that Yu Torah website, just unbelievable. It's easy to find, folks. Today, everything's easy to find. Just search it online and enjoy the shiurim. And as you said, plenty added every single right. day. Right, and we're we're working. Who gets to, credit for adding them every single the, day? Well, first of all, students add them. There are a whole bunch of students. The oh, they person, not, everyone, every student knows how to do it, right? You go to yeah, the back end yeah. and add the sheet. I don't know how to right, do it exactly. I, I have, have a no clue. clue how to do it. <laughs> but the person who's really masterminded it over the past few years, um, you know, Mark Spivak started started it. But the person, who, Rabbi Mark Spivak, but the person who deserves the credit, um, the real credit, and he's in Israel, so I hope he might be listening <laughs> or not, is Rabbi Robert Shore. Wow. Uh, from Israel. He made Aliyah a few years ago. Uh, and we said, why don't you just continue to do it? He does it from Israel. Uh, he's actually totally retooling Yu Torah so that when you get on there, so, since there's so many shiurim, it will be able to look at your history of what you were interested in and make suggestions for you. Um, Shabbos and Shabbat or, you know, right. all the different or, you know, all the different search engines are being recalibrated. And um, really, he is really, I would say, uh, the father of Wayu Torah has done wonderful work with Are him. you still releasing uh, pre-holiday, like uh, yes. P- Purim? Uh, holiday to goes, uh, thanks to the Arbusfeld family. That's continuing. Uh, holiday to goes. We print around 25,000 Plus it's year. available on the web, right? Plus it's available on right. the web. And actually, there was a group of soldiers um, in Afghanistan uh, that actually, Jewish soldiers that actually, for Tishabov. Uh, oddly enough, had requested them through army channels, and there were nine of them, actually, and they actually sent us back a picture. I'll, I'll email you a copy of the picture, just thanking us. I but love you can it. Also I download love it. it. You can also download right. the Holiday to Goes, and the um, we have another thing called the Shabbos Table Conversations. Right. That's every week? That's um, It's not every week. It's oh. like once a month. Oh. Shabbos Table Conversations where you can have discussions about philosophical issues with your children. You go to org Shabbos Table, Shabbat Table, 
Um, See, I thought I got those way. emails every week. I don't realize. It. I get so many emails. emails. You get an email every week about what's new on YU Torah. Ah, there it is. The Shabbos table conversation only we do once a month. Finally, Rabbi Brander, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to go there yet. But do you think the uh, Yeshiva College uh, Maccabees can uh, can be champions this year or not? You know, it, have you had a chance is, to see them at all? I actually have not, but they're having. They have uh, something a game I think this Jan- week. Yeah, uh, no, uh, Thursday night. I think. Yeah, I think actually. This Thursday I think it's night, a, I think. Well, I have to check my calendar, which so. I turned off. Yeah. But I plan to be at the next game. They're doing unbelievable with it's our incredible. new coach. Um, they're just doing great. Of course, uh, you know it's a little hard when you can't practice until Seder's over. And you well, know, you heard this rumor. That they're practicing early, early in the morning before Shachar's? Reason Makdimim. I mean, know, that's, right. that's, uh, that's quite they a should, commitment, right? no? Totally. That is totally. a commitment. And, and, um, I think the coach was interviewed on a radio station, not as prominent as yours, but <laughs> one that, uh, that concentrates on sports. Uh, sports. And was telling, asking him, like, how do you not practice on Saturdays and how do you not practice right. on the holidays? So, like, and we explained that, you know, we answer to a higher authority. <laughs> That's right. So, sure. uh, Baruch Hashem, we're actually number, we, I think we're seated number one in our so conference. So far. And, we're uh, hoping it continues. And we're hoping it continues. <laughs> Rabbi <laughs> Brander, oh, I'm sorry. Rabbi Brander, uh, reminds everybody that yutorah.org is available to the entire world. The entire community should take advantage of it. Uh, you can go to, uh, literally, yutorah.org. Go to that website, that address, yutorah.org. Obviously, you can search it anywhere. And uh, we congratulate YUTorah.org. And the reason why Brander is here today is because they've achieved this milestone. They have now placed their 100,000th shear. You heard that correctly. 100,000th shear online, which is remarkable. So, kolakavod. Thank you, Nachum. A pleasure. Thank you. Best regards to everybody on the campus uh, starting you. Sunday, I guess, as you, as you mentioned. Forward, yes. And, uh, and uh, Yitzchak Brander, please say hello to him when you see him as well. I will. I, I appreciate will. that. Thank you. Have a great day and a wonderful Shabbos. Rabbi Kenneth Brander is, of course, the Vice President for University and Community Life up at Yeshiva University. We continue with more at JM in the AM.
ורחוק מפנינים תמיכה. פתח בה לב בעלה ושרל לא יחסר. גמלת הוא טוב ולא רע. כל ימי חייה דרשת זמר ופשתים ותעז בחפץ כפיה.
Lenny Solomon. Schlockrock. Gotta get Lenny in here. I think he's in the middle of a tour right now in the U.S. He's amazing. Yosef Carduna with Aisha Schal. You heard the Aisha Schal done by the Maccabees. After the conversation we just had this morning about why you Torah and so much more, had to go to the Maccabees for that selection. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, remember our friends at JewishWorldReview.com continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream at jmnam.org. And on top of that, provide thousands of articles, literally, on so many issues of the day and commentary about so many things. Check it out. Print, all, print out all the articles before Shabbos. Uh, JewishWorldReview.com. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayero with candlelighting at 434. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Wednesday. Monday's a legal holiday. We will be here. Make sure to be tuned in. And of course, all through the weekend, make sure to be tuned in at jmnam.org. Uh, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. Matis hosts a live edition. It's always live. JM Sunday, 7 a.m. this coming Sunday morning. And of course, Elliot Weiselberg doing a great report every Sunday called Court Report, starting at 7 p.m. Hockey, basketball, Yeshiva League, it's all there. Uh, make sure to check it out at jmtheam.org. Special greetings to those tuned in around the world on the NSN app, the Nahum Siegel Network app for iPhone and Android. Perfect way not only to listen in, but to comment on what's happening during this show as well, and I thank all of you who do. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JMEA. Mr. Honline, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you as always. It's amazing uh, when you think back to our conversation last week, everything was just developing and all the news was uh, beginning to uh, leak out and somewhat uh, you know, be, be, become reliable as we were on the air discussing, and then it's subsequently, of course, uh, the murder of four of our brethren in the kosher supermarket in Paris. Start with the credit, because it took a lot of time to find out who actually took credit for the attack. Do we believe at this point that al-Qaeda, based in Yemen, are the ones who called for the uh, uh, the attack on the newspaper in Paris? Yes, it's, there's definite evidence, and especially given the fact that, as uh, we discussed last week, that uh, one of them at least was in Yemen, uh, that there were communications between them, that they um, uh, they certainly had the training, and of course, as I said last week, we would find a connection to a prison and imams, etc. And it turns out that they were in prison and recruited, likely there, at least initially. So uh, the that evidence seems to be apparent. It is not so apparent about the connection between the killer at the kosher grocery store and ISIS. It seems that that was his association, and he did have online contact, uh, meaning that he went to websites, but it doesn't appear that uh, he was actually sent, as it it does appear to be the case with uh, uh, al-Qaeda in Yemen, uh, being directly involved in giving the orders. And as you, I think, agreed with last week, that's simply a technicality. You could still, in terms of a ripple effect of ISIS, put this guy right there in the circle. Oh, right? absolutely. And, right. And because it, many of our it, leaders it, it, hesitate it, to do so. Right, and and whether this guy was, in fact, you know, uh, freelancing on his own, or right. he certainly had contact with these other guys, and his uh, girlfriend had, had contact with them, the uh, the fact that she was able to escape so quickly into uh, Syria and and probably left a couple of days in advance, the um, 
there are other evidence, but but remember what we've talked about. There are a thousand French guys fighting in Syria who are coming back. We saw the raids in Belgium this week trying to break up IS-related cells, and they they uh, several people were killed in the raids in in Brussels, but they were all over the country, uh, and it resulted they closed the Jewish schools. They did other things, but that those were. Um, actually prophylactic measures. It wasn't because of a specific threat against them, uh, as was the case with the synagogue, the great synagogue in Paris, which for the first time since uh, the Vichy government, when when Paris was under the Nazi control, uh, didn't have uh, davening on Shabbos, this past Shabbos. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Mosque was open. The great synagogue was not. And it tells you what the difference is. No question. Um the circle of accomplices, in other words, now, obviously, French authorities, and it goes beyond the French authorities, are, uh, there's a manhunt on, essentially. I mean, you mentioned the, the one accomplice who, who quote-unquote, escaped, but, but there are others on that list now, right? There are radicals that are either in an ancillary manner or more direct manner associated with these murderers who are being sought out. Sure. There are at least six people that the French government has uh, identified. And we had a conference call yesterday with the Prime Minister of France, uh, Valls, uh, and the head of the Jewish community, Raja Kukerman, and uh, they indicated that they are going, uh, that they are still looking for these uh, other accomplices directly and directly involved. French intelligence. It seemed from some of the articles I read that it was a blunder. They didn't catch uh, the events leading up to this attack. You, uh, you buy that or not? Look, we have had, it, it, people are approaching this as if it's an event in isolation, when in fact, you remember the, we discussed the, the rape of the woman who, who was raped by a gang of Muslims mm-hmm. saying that they wanted to, to get a Jewish woman. Uh, the, the Going back to Toulouse, going back even further to Halimi, the killing of and torture of uh, the, the young 21-year-old man. Right. The, the, and, the, and the scores and scores of incidents, and not scores, hundreds. Forty percent of the acts of, of, of violence are against Jews. But did French intelligence indicate afterwards that there was a direct threat against this magazine, or there's no reason to believe that? No, against the magazine, absolutely. There must there there were previous uh, threats because of their depictions of uh, Muhammad in various cartoon forms. Uh, but the the um, but the, the the fact that the kosher grocery store on a Friday afternoon didn't have better security, and there was a guard there, I think uh, that the. the supermarket employed but where where were the police there are five thousand people now guarding institutions in paris but it's always after the fact well if we're now going how long they will sustain it. i understand that but if you're going to extend this recommendation then there are a lot of kosher groceries and a lot of neighborhoods in this country that should be very concerned about security as well wouldn't you agree not only that i agree but I mean, we created an organization, SCAN, the Secure Community Network, to, to deal with that, to try and mobilize people. There's a lot that communities can do. There's a lot that people can do. Uh, cameras, guards. I mean, there are neighborhoods. And we have to think about these things. There are neighborhoods in this area that are filled with, uh, you know, kosher groceries and, you know, Jewishly identified stores. I mean, do each and every one of them need security guards, cameras, precautions? I think they have to talk to the to the police force. I think that they have to train their employees. I think people generally have to be much more aware. You know, see something, say something. It really is a serious uh, uh, program that 
we all have to internalize. People don't. And regardless of something that you may think is insignificant, really could be more significant. And as you said, there are uh, other populations potentially that could harbor a hostile person or where the propaganda, which is spreading, it's it's universally available now on the Internet. Not as as in the past. Sometimes it's hard to convince a a modest local grocery store that they're a target of terrorism. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. I I agree, and I'm not saying that you can that right. they can afford to do it. I'm saying that there are that awareness, etc. But but there are institutions, and I will tell you that I got uh, quite a few calls uh, over the weekend from principals of schools, in particular. And that is a very vulnerable area where steps can and should be taken. Right. And we, we have people who will do training for, you know, loan sure. You know, the school in Connecticut saved many lives because the teachers were trained. And you don't have time if, God forbid, something happens. Right. And that was not a Jewish institution. It wasn't directed at, at anything Jewish. But the, the phenomenon is the same, that how do you deal with that kind of situation? And the answer is that if you train people, then they... Rem- react instinctively to know to put the kids in a closet, to go under the tables, to have the kids trained. It doesn't scare them if they if they go through this kind of an exercise, if it's done, you know, with intelligence. We have kids in a variety of schools, as you know, and one of them sent an email uh, uh, this week after the attack, sent an email, you know, that we, we're now switching to this type of doorknob and this type of door, and this will be the new entry system. And, the, you know, there's always more and more and more you could add to the whole security picture. Yes, but the fundamentals can be there, and the the and the fact is that this has to be uh, uh, on a broader basis. Uh, we met with uh, Commissioner Bratton and NYPD, which is really out front, way ahead of everybody else, uh, I think, in the country on these issues, focusing on Jewish institutions as well as all others, uh, but recognizing the unique danger that that could be. Uh, Presented. Yeah, one of the no articles. evidence of it. There's no threat. There's mm. no. We don't want people to misread it. But but the way you prevent it is is by taking the necessary measures to deter. Yeah. You you may not be able to to identify every potential terrorist or everybody who who has a gripe or wants to carry out a, a crazy attack about sports facilities. Uh, you know, the word from from Al Qaeda in Iraq is that they're training them to go after transportation systems, iconic buildings which has nothing to do with the Jewish community. Right. So it's a universal awareness, but you've got to go after the source, which means that we have thousands, tens of thousands of people fighting in Syria who are being trained to be killers. You have them uh, on the Internet. You have, and these guys were followed, but obviously they lost them, or they felt after a while that they were, for some reason, whether resources or otherwise, that they stopped following them, and then... That, that would have prevented it as well. This past week in Paris seems to have uh, struck a nerve, obviously. Uh, and uh, it, it seems like the war on terror, European style, is now on. Do you think that this episode is in fact going to change the attitude of European countries and other countries toward what's happening with uh, with terror episodes and with the, uh, the rise of radical Islam in their countries? The history, particularly of France, but of others is that they react immediately as public opinion and the public demands it and, and is looking for reaction. And sometimes the reaction can be, you know, support for Le Pen or other extremists in, in uh, and anti-immigration movements, et cetera. Some is for a call for more police action, for stronger legislation and laws 
and law enforcement. But the problem is that the history of Europe is appeasement, that they, they try to buy them off. Then, and I can show you many examples in France from the 70s when they bought off the Palestinians to protect the, to stop the bombings of airplanes to, to, through, throughout the, the, the decades since then of uh, repeated acts of, of uh, appeasement. And it may be what we're doing with Iran too, that the West's attitude and refusal to stand up and knowing that Iran is behind much of the terrorism and, and uh, groups, not exclusively and not necessarily for each group. But there is somebody behind it. There's money, money coming from Qatar, Turkey support. Where have we taken a strong stand regarding Turkey's open and and uh, uh, having the, pro- the prosecute the uh, parliament here calls for the destruction of Israel? That Erdogan himself yesterday talked about Netanyahu being equal to the attackers there, and and then saying the mayor of Ankara uh, saying it was the Mossad behind it. Where's the reaction? How can we let these guys who are, are playing such a negative role vis-a-vis Syria, vis-a-vis the, the situation in the Middle East and, and expanding their, their caliphate uh, uh, goals, where have we been? The picture of, of Abbas being greeted by, the, by Erdogan in his $800 million new presidential palace. You know, this is a great defender of the people's $800 million dollars. And they were greeted by guards from 16 different eras of Turkish history, from the Mongols to the Ottoman Empire. I mean, the people said it looked like an Ottoman circus when the pictures were taken of it. So, you know, we we let them get away with it all the time. And uh, and and then they blamed the, the Erdogan blamed the French because they said they were in prison, in a French prison. And therefore, France is responsible because they didn't do anything with him there and, and deal with it. I was just shocked that when he compared uh, Bibi to the, to the terrorists and said that he was responsible for crimes against humanity, uh, just like the terrorists are, I was shocked that he uh, was accusing the terrorists who killed Jews of crimes against humanity. Uh, I thought he'd be more sympathetic toward them. Um, Remember also that France refused to put Hezbollah, was one of the countries in Europe, right. on, the, on the terrorism list. And if you recall, over Algeria, how they they followed a policy of appeasement, let alone in World War II. Well, they were worried about a backlash from their Muslim population, I assume. Well, or not necessarily. They were worried about the, the appeasement. That's exactly the, the policy. They, they, they refused to stand right. up, take the position, and that prevented by the G7. Yeah, I understand appeasement, but it's also politically motivated. I mean... Some, some of what we see now, uh, back in the 70s, the, the Muslim population wasn't 10% as it is today in facing a presidential election. It is, of course, a factor. But, but look, even in Argentina now, the, dis- the disclosures that the president and the uh, 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 Kirshner and Timmerman, the foreign minister, tried to erase Iran from, from the case uh, 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 on the bombing of Amia and the Israeli embassy. They, they tried to remove it in because they were going to get money for it. And the the idea that Argentina, after all these years of investigation and all the evidence, and the Alberto Nissim, the prosecutor, uh, the federal prosecutor, issued this a very lengthy report documenting the effort to do it. We keep, you know, condescending to it. We keep compromising with it. We keep succumbing to it. And we are inc- encouraging people, terrorists, to do more. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. 
Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Special welcome to those tuned in on the NSN app around the world. Got to talk about what happened on Sunday because so many people are curious what you have to say about each individual piece to this uh, anti-terror unity rally that took place in Paris. First of all, the participation of Benjamin Netanyahu. There are those who are skeptical that he would not have gone if it was not an election year. Then there are those who did not quite like his behavior at the event itself. What's your take on Bibi's visit to Paris for the rally? Listen, in, in the silly season in Israel, every action uh, is criticized. I'm sure if he didn't go, he would have been criticized. You saw how President Obama has been criticized for the failure to have representation. Uh, others will say, well, Lieberman decided to go, and therefore he decided to go. I have asked about the invitation issue, which became a big issue, and the French officials told me that no invitations were extended. Um, and there were some who said that uh, um, Hollande, the president, didn't want Bibi because then he would have had to have Abbas, as was the case, and others. But the hypocrisy of the event, the fact that you had Abbas, uh, Qatar, um, Turkey, the very countries that are engaging in incitement, that are supporting, that are abetting these, these activities and the, these extremist groups, were marching in a demonstration against the very things that they <laughs> are responsible for and will not change and do not apologize for and, and turn this, I think, into a, a, an act of, of cynicism. If, and hypocrisy. It's if comical. If they wanted to come, they should have been on their knees begging forgiveness for what they've done. It's comical. And and, and I think that's one of the reasons that BB seemed uncomfortable there. He, he, he's in the, he, right there, right near him, are, are leaders of, of terror groups or but those, I, those who sponsor or endorse terror groups. Sorry. I, I think people have to remember that French Jews needed to see him. Look at what happened when he came into the synagogue. And, and frankly... Jews were not the reason for this demonstration. Right. The killing of Jews was not. If it had only been a massacre at the uh, kosher supermarket, you would not have had a march of three million people. That's it was the sure. killing of the journalists, and justified, and it was a terrible, uh, terrible thing. And a Jew died there as well, but he didn't die as a Jew. He died as because he was a cartoonist at this uh, publication, and the, the demonstration would have been called for in any event. But you would not have had it if it were only things. So the presence of the prime minister in, in the one side, you know, emphasizes and gives a message to the Jews of, of uh, France who came out that they aren't alone, that, that they have a, a state. I think it's a mistake to, to link it to the cause. I think that, would, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Um, but that message of, of kinship, of support, of, uh, of bonding with the French Jewish community at a time when they need it, is important. And Abbas being there is just absurd. I mean, there's no other way to put it, right? I mean, he... he no, I, I think obscene is closer. And he's not invited, as you just... And, and that's what I would think. There wouldn't be invitations to an event like this. It's essentially open to everybody. So he hops on the opportunity to go and act like the moderate that the whole world thinks he is. And, and, and you know, remember, he is a partner of Hamas. And the, you saw in Gaza this week that Hamas, uh, one of the former ministers who's organized... Um, uh, uh, the calls for the cell for attacks and is uh, engaging in behalf of Hamas, but Hamas is part of, of unity government. Attacks against Fatah, the 13 attacks against their homes and the senior officials' homes, against the, uh, the, uh, the French Cultural Center. He is a partner with them, and he continues to go to the ICC, and I'm sure we'll discuss it and all, all, all that process. 
when he should be in the docket at the ICC, and, <laughs> and hopefully uh, will be. Do we remember the Quinell, the, the reverse uh, Nazi salute, right. and how the tolerance, even though it was denounced by the government, and, and Dudien was cr- roundly criticized, he's the com- so-called comedian who, who, who invented, but is, is blatantly anti-Semitic and hated. And then, by the way, just look at what came out this week about Britain. Forty-five percent of the Jews say they have no long-term prospects for them there. Fifty-eight percent said none in all of Europe. Yeah, but if you, if you took the same poll in America, you know, the, the, the nationalistic Jews would also be at 50 percent. And it, not anywhere near it. Forty-five uh, percent yeah. of all the Jews, kind of particular branch of Jews, it's a, sent, it's a message of the sentiment of their uh, uh, psychological uh, comfort of their security. Well, why security. should they feel any comfort or security? I mean, there's no, there would be no reason for it at this point. Or there's no reason for any, I mean, any Jew in any country in Europe at this point should not feel any comfort or security. And that that's right. So I'm saying it's not limited. It's a, it's a general climate that is running through all of the countries because of the failures of governments to act, because right. of the demographic realities, because of the inability and maybe even if willingness the inability to to be able to address all, all right. of these uh... all right so let's play this game for a minute if you asked american jury across the board the same question what number do you think would come up about how many think there's a future no future in america yeah, correct uh, less than 10 percent wow i gotta add that thing to to my next presentation about the uh... Making Aliyah to Israel. Uh, the Obama thing is such an unbelievable topic. I myself, who is not, who have, who has not always been the most supportive of the President of the United States in terms of his policies, was, I was divided about whether he really should have gone or not. I think the move would have been, of course, to send the Vice President. What did, first of all, could you tell us, and, and maybe over a cup of coffee you'd be more comfortable discussing it and not in this forum, but why do you think he didn't go? Like, what do you think was behind it? Well, the president moving is a is a huge security operation, and when you have forty heads of state, the president, and, and you see it during UN Week, is uh, it's subject to a completely different uh, security arrangement. And uh, the decision to go or not to go is, uh, I think, we will have to wait till the books are written. It, clearly, it wasn't because there was some pressing business at home. And what to me is more astounding is that Holder, the Attorney General, was there and didn't go. He went to Ferguson when he was from Washington, but he didn't go while he was there. And he said he had some TV interview and he had to go back and whatever. The president should have said to him, "You're there. You're mm-hmm. going." So at least it doesn't have to be the president there. A high-ranking official uh, should have been there representing the United States, the ambassador, it's fine that she was there, but that's not the same thing as sending a message uh, to the French and to, to aside from the Jews that uh, of where America stands on this issue. Don't you think all sides would have been placated if the vice president would have gone? Absolutely. And I'm saying to you, I think it could have been even easier if Holder went. Right. The attorney general, who was there? He was in Paris, but did not go to the rally. Did not go, and and and. But you got to say, the administration has said it was a mistake, and they, I mean, obviously they regret it now. They, they, uh, in hindsight, they reconsidered the position, but 
<laughs> Someone said to me, you know that that's why they created vice presidents <laughs> to go to events like this. <laughs> well, they, right, for funerals, other things. <laughs> right. It really could have solved a lot of problems. The Israeli reaction, I mean, we alluded to this at the beginning of this part when you know you spoke about uh, the the um, cynicism that that Bibi and others are facing now because it's pre-election. But the Israeli press, I don't know, they 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 really piled it on him this week. Uh, the way he got onto a bus, the way he pushed forward during the the march itself. I mean, I don't know. Look, you know, I, I'm, obviously I'm uh, sometimes I have an affinity toward Bibi, so maybe it's difficult for me to criticize him in this situation. But don't you think they were a bit unfair this time around? You know that they, that somebody created a game uh, uh, and it has Bibi in a marching formation, <laughs> yeah, a likeness of it, a cartoon sort of uh, esque uh, depiction. Uh, and and you push BB through the lines. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anybody uh, talking about why Abbas was in the front row or or the president Amali was in the front row. Right. Uh, I, I don't know that people were assigned places to march; just they lined up. Um, I, I mean, I just think you know because of again the, being the political season there. It's, uh, I wonder if any of this is going to have an effect on the election. I wonder if anybody uh, this will not have a long term effect on the uh, on the election. It's, you know, two months is a lifetime in politics generally in Israel. It's an eternity, and uh, we will see the numbers go up and down. That's why people ask me every time. Okay, you know what says? You look at the numbers, and and uh, uh, Bougie Herzog is up to, and he's down to, or something. You have to look at who can form a coalition, who can get sixty one votes. That's the key uh, number, so even if they get less seats. And secondly, those numbers will vacillate also, and and uh, it's too early. Let people yeah. see. Uh, he went through that last time. Bibi didn't have the most votes last time, but he was he, given he for... He came in second, right. but he could present a right. credible coalition to... Uh, yeah, the people who think it's far-fetched, it just happened last election. Like That could happen certainly again. Uh, uh, Robert Ejnes was with us from uh, from the uh, uh, Council of Jewish Organizations in France uh, this past Monday, just discussing the whole situation, obviously, and what he knew about the attack. And this whole issue of Jews moving from France to Israel or wherever else they want to go, because he also emphasized that you know people are leaving France and going to the United States and other countries as well. But it's a very sensitive issue in France. I think a lot more than when people make Aliyah from here or decide to leave the United States. I don't think I don't know how many people in the U.S. care. It seems that uh, the French and French authorities take offense to all this talk about leaving the country. Does the Aliyah from France have to be handled a little bit, a little bit more delicately? And I think it's also a question of timing. It's a question of how you present this. The French government, of Al's the prime minister, said France without Jews is not France, and that there were many other statements made because of the sensitivity. And, and you don't at a time when the country feels under siege say, you don't belong there, this is not your home, and you're only reinforcing the message then to some extremists who then say, you see, we told you this is not, they are not loyal to France, this right. is not their place. Did Bibi fall into that trap? Did he say publicly to people? Well, earlier, in, not 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 while he was there, and he was misquoted uh. about his speech in the synagogue. He didn't say, tell people you should go. He said, you should be able to live in France in security, and if you decide, you always have a place in Israel, which mm -hmm. is a lot different than go move to Israel. called on the people to leave and to, to, to go. But Think about it. If 25,000 people made Aliyah from, out of a population of 600,000, that's the equivalent of 250,000 Jews leaving America in a year. Right. It's big. So 
it is a significant number, yeah. and, and and it's not only those 25,000 left, 100,000 more inquired, begun a process looking. Um, many French people have moved to more than 100,000 to England, not Jews generally, but also Jews, when in fact a lot of the, the problem emanates from England, where you have these radical imams and, and uh, uh, strong presence of of uh, Islamists as well. Yeah, it's funny. England is perceived as being safer for Jews, but I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, and a couple of articles online, uh, folks, you can find them online, about uh, uh, French Jewish communities in Israel now, and as they continue to grow, of course. And I'm sure, Malcolm, when you're in Jerusalem, you hear a lot more French being spoken, right? Absolutely. And in Miami and in Netanya, especially anywhere near the water. The French love the new buildings near the water and, and buy them. They're partially responsible for some of the rise of the, the price in real estate, but not exclusively. And um, uh, I know many who, many of the people who didn't go in Aliyah necessarily have bought homes in Israel and are preparing over time to, they can't just walk away from their businesses and things. Tell us about the public statements that have been made by the leader of Egypt over the last week or two. I... I am amazed at some of the things that he is saying publicly, and frankly, I, I'm sure he's, uh, I, I would assume he's uh, fearful for his life for the way that he's uh, speaking out against terrorism. Well, he seems to be pretty courageous, and frankly, when I met him a couple of months ago, he made statements in this direction, not as strong as the, as the, uh, the presentation he made about Islam needing to, to come to reform and Islam uh, having talked itself about the embarrassing position, about how uh, uh, it is viewed around the world, that the terrorism, and I mean, really uh, uh, a wholehearted round comment condemnation of uh, the extremists who have hijacked the religion, essentially, is what he said. Uh, he, he has attracted new investment. He's trying to fight. He has tremendous battles. People don't realize the, the situation in Libya. Uh, where you have an open border of 1,600 kilometers, the same with Sudan. Uh, Sudan, you have Iran instigating. You have them, uh, well, they are angry at him because his association with the West. He has linked up with Egypt. Egypt has linked up with Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Jordan, and others for the mod- in the moderate camp. He certainly has been doing a job in the Sinai, working, cooperating with Israel fully on the uh, on protecting the uh, against. Hamas and, and the area in the Gaza, but even more. So he has done uh, quite a few courageous things, and I know there are, we see American government, others are critical of him because of the human rights issues, and those are legitimate, but we have to look at it in a much broader context, and that is true for other countries in the region with whom I met this week, and you hear only this, this feeling of alienation because they're being beaten up over, over human rights when they're fighting for their survival. Go back three years, Malcolm, literally this time of year, I think it was February, uh, the U.S., uh, it now looks in hindsight, they made a terrible mistake not supporting Mubarak during the Arab Spring. Agreed or not? That Well, it's, it's not a question of supporting uh, Mubarak, which could have worked and, and we've pressed them all along with moving and the promise that we created an impression that we support the Muslim Brotherhood, that we favored the Muslim Brotherhood. Right, and if not... And, and it will take a long time to undo that. The, alien, the, the anger at America, both amongst the officials and amongst the people, is very pronounced. Yeah, but th- those who follow along Mubarak's political lines were the right choice at that time, right? Isn't that evident now from the way the population of Egypt is well, really preferable to, to having the Muslim Brotherhood right. 
were behind the demonstrations and the, the whole idea of Arab Spring. Because remember at that time... Over, it was a wrong term, and it was misleading. It, you know, it's like the term Kristallnacht, the night of Crystal. It wasn't right. a night of Crystal, it was a night of murder. Because remember three years ago how so many were writing about how the U.S. abandoned Mubarak, and then they did yes. and they did so so quickly? So I, think, I remember when Mubarak talked to me about the West abandoning the Shah and saying, you're going to pay the price. Right, and he was right. The United States and he and the President of the United States acted very quickly at that time. Financial aid, I, I believe, was stopped at that time. Am I right? I think there was a, or a threat of financial aid being stopped. And, and remember, we held up the helicopters, teacher. We did provide it eventually, but now also I heard from people from Libya this week who, who are telling me, you know, we need helicopters. We need to fight. We're fighting against the, these terrorist organizations in Benghazi. Tripoli today is just total chaos. The country itself is in chaos, but there are pockets of where they're really attempting to to create more stable regimes and, and uh, they feel that we that not enough is done against the sudan where iran is increasing its influence and presence and building defense systems so that it'll be another arab capital that falls to them without them having to, to send in troops and, and and be responsible for the collection of garbage they essentially become the dominant force as they are in lebanon iraq syria yemen today and the, the exposures we saw this week about what is happening with the Houthis, uh, or Houthis as they're called, uh, and their increasing presence and the destabilized situation that obtains in, in Yemen today. Um, and by the way, uh, as evidenced by this conversation, because of the events of this week, uh, not even a mention of Iran, who continues to benefit from not being in the headlines. Good for you. Absolutely right. And, and I doubt that there are many people in public uh, media who this week took that recognition seriously when we see that they're building two new reactors, they're light water reactors, and the State Department said, well, that's not covered by the deal, that, you know, that's for peaceful purposes, it's like the Boucher reactor that Iran um, bought from Russia, these are also Russian-built, and explains perhaps part of Russia's policy, um, and, but the very fact that we're saying it's okay, well, there should be a freeze now, this is a time of negotiations, that should be part of the of the process. We see that Kerry is meeting again with the foreign minister of, of uh, Iran. The German foreign minister said, well, this is a real time, a prospect of, of some progress. Uh, uh, and in the meantime, we see that they are expanding their, their um, uh, nuclear activities. They're, they admit that they build a missile manufacturing plant in Syria. There's word even that they build, they're building a, a nuclear reactor near the Lebanese border, that the um, uh, that they're continuing to pour fortune into Iraq and into Syria and supporting uh, the activities, and, and it is all to extend their influence. Look how they built up Hezbollah uh, firepower, 100,000 missiles, but also now uh, many more sophisticated missiles, surface to sea, etc. Um, and uh, uh, all of this time, while the world is focused elsewhere, Iran continues to move ahead. Yeah, no question about that. I know we have a lot more to do, including the ICC and so many other things that are going on, and we'll, we'll try to continue and get to all of it next week. And uh, I remind you, oh, by the way, before I, I declare that uh, the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, is there a direct threat? I, I'm not sure, based on what you said earlier with uh, New York, uh, the United States, etc. Is there a direct threat from ISIS to the U.S. now or not? Is their directorate? Absolutely. And, and which and they they, which, which, which they they're going to go after the transportation hubs, other things. Is it just America? No. Canada, 
the West, the, uh, they're doing it in Africa. Look at Boko Haram. But they have expressed this. But they've expressed the U.S. by name. Oh, absolutely. They train people for the U.S. This is a, we're, we're still the great devil. Europe is the minor devil, but they are taking it out on Europe, A, because it's easier to get in. They have bigger percentage of populations, areas to hide in France. Something I think we discussed eight, nine years ago about these, these ghettos that, the, that have been established where the police don't go and Jews and Christians can't live there. There are more than a thousand in France today. And you can hide in there and you can, uh, you know, becomes a hotbed of activity because there's very little scrutiny that goes on of, uh, of those areas. But 2,000 people was estimated, or 1,000 were killed in Baga in, in Nigeria, not related to the Jews, not related to anything else and and it's they're christians they're being killed and you don't have any reaction who remembers the girls who remembers what's happening to the azidis all of these people this indifference that that is so rampant but we beat up the other countries that are trying to work with us because of alleged by you know that they're too tough on on the terrorists within their own borders or those who are potentially terrorists malcolm Several people have been taken hostage by an unknown gunman at a post office in northwest suburb of Paris. This just came through a couple of minutes ago. The gunman's armed with a Kalashnikov rifle, a gun, and numerous grenades. French radio reports he may be holding from two to five people hostages. They were seized at 12 noon Paris time when a man rushed into the post office with a weapon. So we see that this is... And the, but, you know, they can be copycatters. They cannot, They don't necessarily have to be affiliated with a group. Uh, they, they, you know, but but the inspiration and that it becomes then the model, and that young people are following this, and and whether when it was Mohammed Maro killed the children in Toulouse, and and look at the reaction. It's not just the reaction of the West. Saudi Arabia is building a 600 mile great wall to protect itself from ISIS or, or along the border with uh, Iraq. They're building it along the border with Yemen, and I haven't heard people criticize the, the wall. Yeah. But the uh, <laughs> the fact is that they all they all see the threat as well. All right, and we don't know what the reason is, of course, behind this. Could be it could be the hey, who knows uh, a, a variety of reasons. But obviously, everyone will be paying careful attention to this latest the amount of weapons that are in their hands. Right. It's, the, it's the you know you, and and each time you find something that triggered it. You know when when we called the killer at Fort Hood, uh, work workplace violence. I think it was. Mm-hmm. You denude it of its significance, mm-hmm. and you, you, you... The best example the, of it. The, the reality in that context... Or the guy who hangs an ISIS flag outside of, or inside an Australian cafe, and everyone says he's an, he's an isolated lone gunman who's crazy. <laughs> I mean, come on. No influence from ISIS? Uh, future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. Malcolm, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, JM in the AM, candle lighting. 434 in this era of Shabbos Parshas Vaera. Wednesday is Rosh Chodesh. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Wednesday is Rosh Chodesh Shvat. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vaera. In Parshas Vaera, we are, I can say, off and running with the seven out of the first ten makos that God bring upon the Egyptian people. Seven out of the ten plagues. And I'd like to just 
before we analyze one particular plague, give a brief introduction that we should realize that the plagues were literally punitive, a punishment to the people of Mitzrayim, and instructive, educational for not only Mitzrayim, but for the Jewish people as well. On the night of the Pesach Seder, when we recount the ten plagues, we read from the Haggadah that Rabbi Yehuda, Hayanosim Bahem Simonim, Rabbi Yehuda had a mnemonic to remember and categorize the plagues, Tzach Adash Ba'achav, and take note, my friends, that Dam Hakinim, one round of Makos, Orov Dever Shchin, a second round, Borod Arbechoshech, and finally Makas Pechoros, the third round. Take note that the first of each round, Dam regarding the plague of blood, Ayin Orov, the first of the second round, the wild animals, and finally, Bays, the Borod, the hail, regarding these three Makos, the Torah not only gives a warning, but there is a much greater detail of what's going to be and the effect of the plague. And so, in chapter 7, verse 17, regarding the plague of blood, what do we find? Hashem says, Bezos teda, through this you shall know, Kiani Hashem, that I am God. The very clear differentiation between the Egyptian people who suffered the transformation of their water into blood and the Jewish people who were able to drink water at that time and if a Jew and Egyptian were drinking out of the same glass with two straws the Jew continued to drink water and the Egyptian got blood as we move on to the second set and we have the Orov, the wild animals in chapter 8 verse 18 we raise the lesson not simply that you shall know that I am God, but rather, You shall know that I am God in the midst of the land. And when we come finally to Barad, to Hail, there you find in chapter 9, verse 14, You shall know, there's none like me, like God, Bechol Ha'aretz. So, the Makos have this very significant effect of teaching both the Egyptians and the Jewish people. I'd like to focus on the fifth point, that of 
Dever, whereby the Torah tells us that Moshe comes to Paro and he warns him, God has said, sent out my people that they may serve me. For in the beginning of chapter 9, if you refuse to send me and you still continue to hold them tight, then the hand of God will be on your livestock that are in the fields, on your horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, the flock, a very severe epidemic. Hashem will distinguish between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, and that a thing that belongs to the children of Israel will die. And Moshe continues, Hashem has set an appointed time, saying tomorrow Hashem will carry out this word in the land. And so we continue, chapter 9, verse 6. Hashem carried out this word the next day, and all the livestock of Mitzrayim died, and of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. It's chapter 9, verse 7, that I'd like to focus on. Vayishlach Paro, Paro sent out his emissaries to check this out, and v'hinei, and behold, lomeis mimeknei Yisrael, not a single one of the livestock of Israel had died, ad echod, not one, vayichbad leif paro, v'lo shilach Yet Paro's heart became stubborn, and he did not send out the people. What is the connection, asks the late Rav Sholem Shvadron, between the first part of the Pasuk and the second part. Namely, Paro finds out that not one died, and he hardens his heart. How are we to understand the flow of the Pasuk? And he cites a Medrash from Shmos Rabbah. It happens to be chapter 11, paragraph 5, where what does it mean? Not one of the cattle of Israel died. Listen carefully. Even an animal that was owned in partnership, half by a Jew and half by an Egyptian, that animal did not die. Now, Paro looked at that situation and he said, Aha, Moshe, you're wrong. Aha, your God is wrong. Because you said not a single, what? Animal of Egypt will survive. And take a look. This animal, which belonged to an Egyptian, survived. Now, amazing how Paro uses the groping of a straw, if I may, or his nitpicking to justify his disbelief, to justify his denial of Hashem. We know it was just the opposite. We know that animal didn't die because it had a partial Jewish owner, and Moshe said none that belonged to the Jew would die. 
I really believe that as we find in Tehillim 119, the longest chapter of Tehillim, verse 98, David HaMelech says, Me'oyevai techakmeni mitzvosecha. The literal translation of this means that your mitzvos make me wiser than my enemies. And I'm able to overcome my enemies because of the wisdom that I derive from your Torah. But I'd like to take the poetic license, as indeed the Radak learns, to understand that me'oyevai techakmeni. I can even learn from my enemies. And what does that mean? My enemy is able to take every situation and see within it a justification of his denial. The Jew has the capacity that in every and all situations, as challenging and as troublesome as they may be, to find literally not just the optimism, but to see literally the rachamim, the good, within the bad, what appears to be bad. And this is the way the Orachayim HaKadosh understands the very opening of this week's parsha, whereby the first verse of the parsha is somewhat challenging. It begins by Daber Elokim El Moshe. God speaks to Moshe, but we know that by Yedaber is a language which is stern, as opposed to Vayomer, which is softer. We know Elokim is a name of God which refers to the attribute of justice and strictness, as opposed to Hashem, which is that of mercy and of a Rachamim. And therefore, Vaydaber Elokim El Moshe, God speaks to Moshe, Vayomer love, and He says to him, Ani Hashem. It begins with the harsh and it transfers over to the softer Ani Hashem, I am God, that of Rachamim. And the Orachayim HaKadosh explains this verse to mean as follows. This is God's response to Moshe. Moshe, at the very end of Parsha Shmos, you said some very strong words against God. You said, God, why have you done bad to this people? The very end of Shmos, that is the parasha of Shmos, chapter 5, verse 22. Why have you sent me? Moshe, you could and you still at this moment cannot see. But God is saying to him, I'm speaking now, says God, from within the attribute of justice. You should know, Ani Hashem, that within that attribute of justice, you can't see it right now, but there is the mercy, there is the good even within what appears to you bad. And that's why later on in the fifth book, God refers to the Egyptian experience and says, I took you out of Egypt, Mikur HaBarzel. And Kur HaBarzel, this is in chapter 4, verse 20. What does that mean? 
the Kura Barzel, I took you out of an iron crucible. What does that mean? It means that just as the crucible is used to purify gold and to purge it of its foreign elements, so too our being in Egypt actually purified and brought out ultimately the best within our people, enabling us to become the special people that we are, enabling us to have a close relationship with God, enabling us to receive the Torah. So even if you can't see it at the moment, and therefore... Amazing. We look back and we know, and all of us who are privileged to know Holocaust survivors, so they will tell you whoever survived, that they literally saw miracles and they saw the Ani Hashem in the Vayidaber Elohim. At the time when, then, and even today, we don't understand but they saw Rachamim in Din. And we are going through difficult, challenging times. And therefore, the opening verse of Parshas Vodera has to comfort each and every one of us and remind us that it's not simply a verse that was used by God to address Moshe and tell him that because Hashem was troubled by the excessive servitude and punishment that the Jewish people were experiencing in Egypt, he intentionally hastened the process and therefore made it the he accelerated the Shibud, the servitude, in order to hasten the redemption, something that no man, even Moshe, could appreciate until God actually told him of his plan, so too we should recognize that we who are going through challenging times in Eretz Yisrael, in France at the moment, and in so many other places, we are to be able to take the very comforting lesson of the opening puzzle of Parshas Vo'era and to make sure that we're able to see, even in the most difficult of times, even during the Midas Hadin, to seek out and see the Ani Hashem, the Rachamim, which God shows us at all times. Shabbat Shalom to Paul. Lehu 
Brand new Shlomo Cats. Oh, is that good? Oh, is that good? Brand new and phenomenal Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Va'era, candle lighting at 434 in this Erev Shabbos. We'll burn to Rosh Chodesh Shvat tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Wednesday. Wednesday is your one-day Rosh Chodesh. We're here Monday, legal holiday. We are here. Make sure to be tuned in here at JM the AM. Enjoy the NSN app and great programming all weekend long, including tomorrow night of Rummy Host Saturday Night Siegel on the stream. JMandTheAM.org. Matis Weingast not only has a great JM Sunday on Sunday, and that happens every uh, every single um, every single Sunday morning, a live presentation of JM Sunday. Uh, but this Sunday, Matis has a very interesting guest, Harry Moskoff, an award-winning producer, author, and speaker. Uh, the Ark Report is an award-winning film and book, which is now available through Amazon and a whole bunch of other sources. And the ARC report is Harry Moskoff on the search for the Ark of the Confident. Simple as that. And I'll explain why he's so into this search and um, what he's learned about it, etc., etc., all uh, in his um, a presentation with Matis is coming Sunday. So Matis has... What I would consider to be a historic interview. It's certainly going to go back in history quite right away. Harry Moskoff, award-winning producer, author. Uh, the Ark Report is an award-winning film and book. And they will discuss it uh, this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. If you're tuned in between 7 and 9 a.m. Uh, this coming Sunday morning right here at jmandtheam.org. All right. Oh, i got to give a special shout-out to Lobo. I got a <laughs> I got a message earlier in the week. I I hope I can decipher this message and get the information out there properly. You know how Lobo uh, has um an interest in so many different sports leagues in our community. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. The guy's like the consummate um a sports team owner. Uh you think that uh you know, you think that uh, if you own one NHL and one NBA team, that's a lot. Lobo's got teams everywhere, including internationally. Anyway, so um, we wish a Mazel Tov because apparently um, uh, the Lobos have uh, won the Aviator Flag Football League. They are the champions. And um, I'm told that a lot of great people, including uh, Aroni Slansky, Moshe Klein, uh, quarterback Elimelech Sperling, they all deserve... Uh, they all deserve uh, accolades <laughs> for their achievement and for their accomplishments. I give them all a shout-out, and, of course, the entire team, we give them a shout-out. And uh, we are not passing up the opportunity to wish Lobo a Mazel Tov on yet his latest championship. So Mazel Tov, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about plenty more of them, that's for sure, um, in the future. Uh, more coming up. It's JM in the AM. Words from what we'll say tomorrow. Yechad Sheu from Birchas HaChodesh. This is JM in the AM.
Greenfeld, by request, Yichad Sheu, words from the uh, Rosh Chodesh benching that we'll say tomorrow. Hey, I want to give a special shout-out to Joel and a really wonderful group of people at Maishi's Place on Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. They really have some amazing food, and they were phenomenal hosts last night. Thank you, Joel, and everybody at Maishi's Place. I'm told it's hopping every single Thursday night, uh, and for good reason. So uh, I thank you, and uh, you get a special 
recognition this morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, Journeys, time to say good Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos with candlelighting at 434. Time to say good Shabbos at JM in the AM. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish 
Moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in right now because Naomi Nachman starts with Table for Two, then our amazing and incredible Arab Shabbos music mix. Tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull at 10 p.m. And Matis with that amazing guest about the Covenant of the Ark coming up with JM Sunday between 7 and 9 Eastern Time on Sunday morning. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. We're back Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. Tell the Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.